Okay, so uh, we are going to continue our sermon sessions in the Gospel of John. And uh, let me see here. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, chapter 10 is where we were at. Last Sunday, we took our sermon within the portion of verse 1 through verse 21. And we saw the parable of the Good Shepherd, which was indeed a direct connection to the context of the healing of the man who was born blind in chapter 9. And we see how a wonderful, miraculous, a supernatural occurrence took place in healing this man who was born blind. And it should have been celebrated and well-received that a man who was born blind could now see, but the, um, um, the act of love and teaching that Christ produced in this man to now see resulted, of course, in growing hostility from the Jews, the Sanhedrin, the Pharisaical kind, who took great offense that Jesus, of course, would continue to confirm his deity, his messiahship, and would uh, conduct himself in the manner of the scriptures, fulfilling the prophets and healing those who were sick, making, uh, 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 allowing them to see who were once blind. And it's quite an account to recognize how a man who was born blind could now see through the power of Christ, but those who claimed to see were blinded by their hate and bitterness and uh, aggressive persecution towards the Messiah. And, of course, that is what led the parable of the Good Shepherd, because the parable of the Good Shepherd was Christ to explain and teach and instruct that he was indeed the Good Shepherd, and that uh, 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 these here were thieves and robbers. The Pharisees were thieves and robbers. Uh, they were not to be trusted, and they, the people did not need to follow them. They only needed to follow Jesus, and following Jesus would allow them the security and freedom of their salvation, eternal life. But, of course, the Jews, the Sanhedrin, the religious leadership there of the day, the government as it stood with Judaism, did not at all receive the Christ. And the reason they did not is because they had their own idea of what Jesus was supposed to look like and talk like. And it wasn't at all as the Christ, of course, presented himself in fulfilling the prophets, the scriptures. And we can understand that. If you have yourself an idea of what you think Christianity looks like or who you think Jesus is, but yet the Bible, which is inspired literature, the penmanship of the Holy Spirit, reveals the truth of what Christianity is to look like and what the and who the Christ truly is, you're, you're going to find yourself either hating the God of the Bible or repenting, humbling your soul and following the God of the Bible. In like fashion, when the Christ was walking among them in the first century, he was God on earth and he was fulfilling the scriptures, but he was not what they thought him to be. He was not a socio-political governing power that was going to raise up a physical sword and slay down the Romans and build this earthly kingdom in which the Jews were going to, you know, hail victory again. 
he came to bring a different kingdom, a spiritual one, and he came to uh, uh, release them from the shackles of fleshly bond. And if they would have just thought spiritually for one minute, instead of always being enamored with the physical, maybe they would have entertained the thought that this man is the Messiah, that they were born and raised to read, recite, and teach and preach from the old scripture prophecies. But we see the depth in which the, the minds of mankind can go when they are corrupt. They saw, G they saw a man. Like, I mean, just think, just think of it. Reason with me. You see, if one of us today right here could raise the dead of someone we love. I don't know about you, but I start to think to myself, well, this person must come from God somehow. I mean, there's some power with this person. I don't know. You, at the very least, you'd want to, to think that th there's something different with this person. They would see that. They were there in the first century, the age of the miraculous, the age in which it was all recorded and witnessed with their eyes. They saw that and yet they rejected him. They were hostile against him. How dare he do that? <laughs> Man, he the guy's raising the dead. He's casting out demons. He's making the blind see. He's curing the lame. He can control the weather. If he's not God, he's certainly from God. But yet they could... No way. They didn't want to let go of the control they had over the people. Because controlling the people meant they could flourish their greed for their money. And they could build upon them this tyranny and oppression that they could not think for themselves but needed to run to the Pharisees to know what we need to do. And Jesus is like, you don't need to go to these people. You just need me. And so the parable of the good shepherd is produced and what a powerful parable that was. And of course, again, these religious leaders, they can't stand it. They hate him for it. They're livid. And the text continues in which Jesus is going to again assert his deity. I am the Christ. I am the Messiah. I'm not what you, I don't look like what you thought I would look like. I don't say things that you thought I would say. But accept me. Repent. Change the way you think. Have you ever tried to tell someone who was born and raised with a certain religious belief that they're wrong? <laughs> what did we want to do when they told us we were wrong? Well, we wanted to crucify him. How dare you tell me I'm wrong? I was born and raised in this religious belief all my life. I know what Christ is. I know who he is. I... Jesus has come to these people who are the Jews, God's people, to tell them their religious beliefs were not accurate. Well, they crucified him, didn't they? These were believers. Fascinating, interesting, yet so unfortunate that they turned their hearts so darkened against him. And it's no wonder we see the same thing happening today in our era. The same thing. So this, of course, continues within the theme and the context of the Gospel of John in which he speaks of the new birth and the process therein and also the, 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 uh, the rejection from his people of this Gospel message and uh, those who would receive it. And yet again, it's interesting to see that the foreigner was quick to receive it. The pagan, the heathen, the Gentile, the Greek. They were sooner to bow down to him and follow him than the people who should have. The ones who were given the law, the Jews, the house of Israel. And so this context continues, of course, and the portion of scripture we're looking at this day is verses 22 through 42 of chapter 10. And uh, let's see what it has to say, shall we? Verse 22. 
At that time, the Feast of the Dedication took place at Jerusalem. Now, the Feast of the Dedication, friends, is not something that God had commanded in the Old Testament. This was a tradition that the Jews had created. It wasn't necessarily bad or anything. It just was a dedication to dedicate. And the dedication was, of course, in relation to, I believe, the Maccabean or Maccabean, Maccabean, I think, era, in which the temple was uh, 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 pagans had taken over the temple and had made a, a gross offense and corrupted it. But then it was retaken again and rededicated to God. So because of that, they created this feast, this feast of dedication, so that we could once again dedicate our devotion to God and his temple and things like that. And what is interesting in this dedication is they would light the lamps. They would light lamps that would illuminate and that, of course, is still practiced today by those who claim to be Jews. It's called Hanukkah, right? Right? You know those yeah. candles? That's what that is. It's like their Christmas time. Yeah. It's not a God-given command. It's not God saying, you need to do this. It's mankind who did that of their own uh, will to produce that. But anyways, so at that time... The Feast of Dedication took place in Jerusalem. And it's interesting that Jesus says he is the light. Because <laughs> that was the very thing they would do in these feasts. The Feast of Booths and the Feast of Dedication. They would light lights, lamps. And Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Isn't that interesting? So in verse 2 it says it was winter. And Jesus was walking in the temple in the portico of Solomon. Now why is he in the portico of Solomon? Because it's winter. The weather's... Uh, uh, not as friendly, if you will. And so he's found in a location that would shelter him a bit from uh, the climate outside, if you will. Okay, he continues, verse, the, the text continues, verse 24, the Jews. Now again, we've read this many times where it says the Jews, speaking of the religious leaders, speaking of the Sanhedrin. And the Sanhedrin, if we remind ourselves, it is a uh, body of governing uh, politics and policies from the chief priest to the uh, 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 elders to the Pharisees. And they always squibble and squabble and they always f uh, fight against each other for this, that, and the other. But they're all friends now because they all have the same enemy, don't they? Jesus, the Jews. So the Jews then gathered around him, verse 24, around Jesus, and were saying to Jesus, this is what the Jews are saying to Jesus, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ... Tell us plainly. Now, friends, they have just witnessed this Jesus, whom they are saying, how long will you keep us in suspense? They've just witnessed this man miraculously. Now, miraculous is a powerful, supernatural. It cannot be explained by any natural means. A man who was born blind can now see. And they've seen a great many other things that Jesus did. They heard his words, how he spoke with authority. They saw him cast out demons, raise the dead, control the weather, make whole the lame, cure the sick. And yet still, their hearts are hardened. They don't accept the truth. And so what do they say to Jesus? Well, how long are you going to keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. <laughs> As if his actions did not at the very least again have them entertain the thought that this man was not like them, that he was quite unique, and that he does come from a divine source. No, 
Their hearts are hardened. They want the control of the people. And Jesus is taking away their control they have over the people and they hate him for it. So Jesus answers them in verse 25. I told you and you do not believe. Jesus spoke words to tell them who he was and the prophets he was fulfilling. So the words weren't enough for them to believe. You know how many people we can sit down with and open this book and show them this book? They'll still won't believe what they read. They still won't believe what we say. Jesus was there himself in flesh, God on earth, walking among them, telling them, teaching them with great authority. But they did not believe his words. He says, the works that I do, in verse 25, the works that I do in my Father's name, these testify of me. How can you call yourself an honest religious believer and leader of the community, see Jesus, raise someone from the dead? And when I mean raise someone from the dead, I don't mean these fraudulent individuals today. I mean a true, authentic Someone was dead for four days. <laughs> he was starting to stink. And he's raised back. How can you see that with your own eyes and be like, eh, nah, that didn't happen. <laughs> Usually uh, it's like under a day that someone could be revived until it's too late. Well, that's the thing. Your body is created in a way that though the heart may stop or the brain activity stop, as long as the spirit is still within your body, medical uh, science can bring you back into a beating heart. It's not that you've died, though folks would tend to want to believe that you didn't die. But uh, a good comment, uh, Gabriel. So here in the text, Jesus, of course, is saying, listen, I've told you, but you don't believe. So my words weren't enough, obviously. So what about my actions? Like if you don't believe what I'm saying, can't you at least believe what you saw? What you witnessed with your own eyes? Now, we all know eyes can be deceiving. <laughs> We've known a great many uh, a fanciful illusionists. I mean, when I was a kid, I really thought David Copperfield made the Statue of Liberty disappear. <laughs> I was like, wow, look at this. Well, what we're talking about here, recorded in the first century, witnessed and tangible, defendable in court, is truly miraculous power so the works that i do in my father's name these testify of me again to the father and his obedience jesus was obedient to his father in heaven while he was in flesh he was always submissive and obedient to his father in heaven for they were equal remember so he says in verse 26 but you do not believe because you are not my sheep That's how important it was in our last session when we looked at verses 1 through 21 in regards to Christ being the good shepherds. You see, these kinds here only listen to their paternal source. And what did Jesus say their paternal source was? The devil, who was a murderer and a liar from the beginning. That's who they are following. But those who follow Christ and know Christ, of course, are his sheep. But you do not believe because you are not of my sheep. They could have. They could have chosen to follow him. But the corruption of their hearts 
they neglected and rejected him. He says in verse 27, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Verse 28, And I give eternal life to them, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. That's important information. It's very comforting. While my children are in this house, they have the safety and security of their father because I will lay down my life to make sure my wife and my children are safe from any hostility or any threat. Do we understand that? Now, if my children choose to leave this house, they are no longer in the location of security. Is that understood? So if you're in this house, I will lay down my life to make sure all of you are safe if a bad guy were to try to get in here now. I do that. But if you're not in this house and you choose to go away from this house, then you're fair game. You're no longer in the location of safety and security. Correct? Do you understand that? That makes sense, right? If you're in the house, you're in. If you're outside the house, you're outside. Okay. If you are with Christ, you're in Christ, where all these spiritual provisions are allowed and, and privileged to us, security. But if you choose to go outside of Christ, away from Christ, as these Pharisees were, you're fair game to the devil's way. And we saw, we see, we read how they were indeed according to their father's way, which was the devil, sadly. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, because we have a humble heart to follow him and seek him only. Why are we the East Coast Church of Christ? It's very simple. Because we're on the East Coast, and because this church, these people here, we belong to whom? Jesus. That's it. You don't belong to me. I'm just like you. But you see, these Pharisees, these religious leaders, they had set themselves up as God on earth. They had set themselves up as the gatekeepers and the key holders, and they were corrupt. And that's what happens when you don't have Jesus as your lead. You will have tyrannical men. So he says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and, I, and they follow me. And I give eternal life to them, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. If we live according to the doctrine of our Lord and Master and follow His path, we can have hope in eternal life. Because this one ends, doesn't it? We've had to say bye to friends we love, family. Oh, and how I hated God for so long because of it. I couldn't understand it, right? How dare you, God, you take away people. Like that. How, hey, all this evil in this life, it's all your fault. Why, did you leave? why, did, why do you allow it to happen? You know, that, that kind of stuff. But then you start to have a functioning mind and sober mind and you look for the answers and guess what? The answers are found and you get the answers to those questions. And I was like, wow, there's actual answers to my questions. Well, the people had answers to their questions for those who sought the Christ. They would find eternal life in him. That means that we may need to say bye here on this earth, but we can be together forever. I don't know about you, but that sounds like a good plan. I've had enough... I know what death is all about. I know what that's all about. I've seen enough of it. So when the message of life came around, I was like, well, that sounds attractive to me. That sounds very attractive to me. You know, that's why it's easier 
to speak about this message to people who are very poor, who have gone through a lot of pain in their life, than it is with someone who's very wealthy, who has been accustomed to pretty much buying what he or she wants. And there's nothing wrong with wealth, by the way. There's no sin in being wealthy. But it's when you love your wealth more than the truth of life, you start to get into problems. But the person who's very poor, all they've seen is desperation. They've been at the beck and call of charity. They, so the message of life to them is like, wow, life. I don't need to die twice. No, you don't need to. Christ was teaching these people. They don't need to follow these pharisaical leaders who are going to lead them to eternal destruction. So he continues and says in verse 29, My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. It doesn't matter what kind of attempt these religious leaders would try. If, if those who follow Jesus follow Jesus, they weren't, it doesn't matter if they, what happened to them. They were going to be safe with Christ. And God the Father is most powerful, and He is one with the Son, the Son one with the Father, and they're not... If you follow him, you're safe. It's that simple. And they needed to hear that because it was part of their liberation for all who sought that. And of course, he says in verse 30 very plainly, I and the Father are one. Now, he's not speaking about one individual man or one individual. The, the word one here means one in essence. It means they're equal in power. It means that Jesus, the Son, and God the Father are one in essence. They are deity, divine, which proves the case, again, all over the scriptures, that God, monotheistic, one, is in three persons. Don't let anyone teach you otherwise. Don't let them lie to you. The Bible is very clear with that. God, one, in three persons. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a husband. I'm a father. And what else am I? A son. So I'm a son, I'm a husband, and I'm a father. But who am I? I'm one. Can we grasp that? Does that make sense a little bit? Yeah. Here is the son speaking of his father. And both are one. Now, of course, once again, how repetitive is this? Verse 31. The Jews picked up stones again to stone him. You're going to read. You, we've been reading that all over the place, haven't we? Why can't, why can't they just see his love and truth? Why can't they just change? <laughs> well, for everything and anything. They just don't want to. They've got too much investment in their own beliefs, in their own system. They've got too much involved with that. They love the control over the people. All of it. So they pick up stones again to stone him. They want to murder him. They want to murder the man that's there to produce eternal life. There's a reason they didn't want the people to know this book. Okay? There's a reason, yet still today, religious leaders out there do not want you to trust this book 
There's a reason for it. Someone says it's just an old book written by old men and it has nothing to do with anything. Oh, really? Here's an illustration I haven't brought up in a while. You go out in this community with a Harry Potter novel. All of us pretty much know what Harry Potter is, I think, at this stage of the game. Okay, so let's say we all go outside with a Harry Potter novel in the community here. You think we're going to get any problems from anyone all that much? We may have someone stop by and be like, Hey, you're reading Harry Potter. I love that novel. You know, I've watched the movies. Because it's just a book. It's about a myth. It's fiction. It's a story. Now take this book and go out in the community and open it and sit down and read. What do you think is going to happen then? And why do you think that is? What's the difference? If this is the same equivalence of Harry Potter novel, it's just a book of myth. Because it isn't, is it? It's a lot more than that, isn't it? There's a reason why mankind have been trying to get rid of this book, to demonize it, slander it, call it everything they can't call it, say it's a book of contradictions, say it's a book of hate and bigotry and blah, blah, blah. It isn't. But I used to believe that, though. Until, guess what, I started to think for myself. A free thinker. Imagine that. And I started to read it for myself. What is Jesus telling these people? Start thinking for yourself. You don't need these religious leaders, these pharisaical types. They're not leading you in the right path. Christ came to show them peace and love and unity, forgiveness, liberation from all those sinful things. And here are the Jews. They're picking up stones and they want to murder him. And so Jesus says to them in verse 32, I showed you many good works from the Father. For which of them are you stoning me? Why are you murdering me? Because I cast out demons? Because I make whole the lame? I cure the sick? I control the weather? I raise the dead? Of which one? Feed, I feed the poor? Which one is it that you are murdering me for? Like what, what is it that I deserve capital punishment for? And what do they say to him in verse 33? Well, they say, well, uh, uh, for a good work, we do not stone you. It's not because of, of good works. Now, pay it, look, <laughs> you have to recognize this, friends. Listen, they say, for a good work, we do not stone you. So in their own blinded hypocrisy and corruption against the Christ, they still recognize that the man's been doing good works. They didn't deny it, did they? They didn't say, what good works are you talking about? All we've seen you do is be a problem. No, they say, no, it's not because of the good works you're doing. So they can, Because you can't deny it. They saw it. No, that's not why. But what is it? Well, it's for blasphemy. That's why we're doing it. Blasphemy. And because you, being a man, make yourself out to be God. Do you know how just completely mind-numbing and frustrating that must have been for Jesus to hear that? From people who are mere men thinking they were God on earth. Again, they accuse him of the very things they are guilty of. What do, what, 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 what do, what do we call that in today's modern tongue? Like projecting or something? Gaslighting or something? Like they're actually guilty. Projecting, right? They're actually guilty of the, of, of the charges they're laying falsely at, at, at Christ. For a good work, we do not stone you. So they recognize that, right? Okay. But for blasphemy. And because you, being a man, make yourself out to be God. Well, my dear friends, if the man's raising the dead, why wouldn't he want to claim he's from God or of God? Okay, well, Jesus answers them in verse 34. 
Has it not been written in your law? Now, by Christ saying your law, he's not distancing himself from the Old Testament law or anything. He just means they are God's people. They were born within the covenant of the law and they took it as their own and they knew it. So Christ recognizes that and he says, has it not been written in your law? Like you should know this. He's speaking of the 39 books of the Old Testament. And then he quotes, and this is, you don't miss this. He quotes Psalm 82, verse 6. I said, you are gods. <laughs> he is speaking of the age in which the judges were judges over Israel, but they were corrupt, but yet still they were the mouth, to be the mouthpiece of God's word to the people. But they were corrupt and they would uh, 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 be unrighteous and practice all kinds of unrighteous things and would neglect the poor and all kinds of sinful things like that. And then he says, if he called them gods to whom the word of God came and the scripture cannot be broken, you can't break this book. It'll never happen. Do you say of him, verse 36, whom the Father sanctified? Do we know what sanctified means? It means set apart, holy, unique. Okay? And sent into the world? You are blaspheming because I said I am the Son of God? Here were the judges of Israel who were called the gods. And they had to deliver the message of God, but they were corrupt. And yet you take offense at me being a herald for the Father, the Son of God? If you do not do the works of my Father, verse 37, he says, do not believe me. If I do not do the works of my Father, do not believe me. I could tell you all, if what you are hearing me say is not from this book, don't believe me. Don't follow me. I could be wrong. I'm just like you. I'm a human being. I have all kinds of problems. But who doesn't? And who can we trust? Jesus. God. And so he says, if I do not do the works of my Father, do not believe me. But if I do them, verse 38... Though you do not believe me, believe the works so that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I in the Father. You know, many people today claim to be Christians, but how do we know who is a true Christian and who is not? By their works, by what they do, how they live, how they behave how they practice their life in accordance to Christ. You can't tell me you're a Christian, but you've not obeyed the gospel. And you can't tell me you're led by the Holy Spirit, but yet you're not reading his words and following his words. He says to them, in essence, I, did I am God on earth. I am the Messiah. But if you see my works and you see the things being said and done and you don't believe them, then don't believe them, but at least see what I've done. But if I do them, though you do not believe me, believe the works, so that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I in the Father. Who else can raise the dead? Now, these, these individuals claim they could do that, by the way. These, they claim they could do that. They couldn't. 
They didn't have that power. It's the same today. They claim they can do all kinds of stuff. They can't. Therefore, verse 39, they were seeking again to seize him and he eluded their grasp. Keep your finger there and just go back one page or two to chapter 8, verse 20. Chapter 8, verse 20, these words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple and not one seized him. Why? Why didn't they seize him? Because his hour had not yet come. You know what that means? He's in control of when he dies. They aren't. They think they are, but they aren't. He controls when he dies. They don't. So therefore, back in chapter 10, verse 39, they were seeking again to seize him. They want to stone him. They want to, see, they want to kill him. They want to murder him. But he eluded their grasp because it's not time yet. There's still a few weeks to go. And he went away again, verse 40, beyond the Jordan. Now this here going back several years to John's time, who was baptizing in the Jordan, right? Christ had fond memories there. He, began, he had ministry there. He goes back there. And when he went away beyond the Jordan to the place where John was first baptizing, and he was saying, he was staying there. And in verse 31, many came to him and were saying, while John performed no sign, Yet everything John said about this man was true. Now there's a good legacy to leave behind. In John's death, even still, the message of the Christ remains true. They believed what John said about Jesus. And that's something. And it says in verse 42, many believed in him there. And that concludes the portion of scripture for the sermon session. The idea, of course, always the same. If we believe in Jesus, if we get to know Jesus, because you won't believe in a man you don't know. And I assure you, the ocean of religion out there, they've created their own personal Jesus and their own personal churches and their own personal doctrines and their own personal traditions. But a one who hears his voice according to his word will follow him according to his word. It all goes back to the new birth, of course. If you follow Christ, you believe in Christ. You will seek to be a citizen of his kingdom. You will seek to be immersed into his body. And it goes always back to the new birth. John 3, 3, John 3, 5. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, one is born out of water and the Spirit. Here are the words of the Holy Spirit. Let me make it real simple for you. These words we read now are the words of the Holy Spirit. It's the penmanship of the Holy Spirit. If we read these words of the Holy Spirit and we believe these words of the Holy Spirit and we act upon the words of the Holy Spirit, not because we can meritoriously earn our salvation, but because we see who Jesus truly is through the words of the Holy Spirit and we do what the words of the Holy Spirit say, then we will be willing to be born again out of water and the Spirit. You do the words of the Spirit, you are born out of water and the Spirit. That's why the Ethiopian eunuch said, look, water, what prevents me from being baptized? Now the world out there, they won't teach you that, but this book does. And I don't want you to believe me. I could be wrong, but I know this book ain't. And I know this book is not a matter of our own personal interpretations. This book 
has an author and it has a meaning. And it's what gives us peace and freedom. Anywho, all that good stuff. If you have, of course, any comments or questions, please keep them for afterwards and we can discuss them further. But that will be uh, the end of uh, this session and we'll go forward to uh, our song.